0: Before we begin our study this evening, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. In order to move into the opportunities that God has for you, it will require that you have vision and can see God's purposes at work. Looking back, you'll need to see that God has been working in your life. And looking forward, you'll need to be able to see the opportunities, recognize them and be decisive about pursuing those opportunities. That means you can't simply surrender to circumstances and be tossed to and fro by your circumstances. It's important to surrender to God, not circumstances. Surrender to God by surrendering to him, we allow our own self-will to be broken, and we allow our desire to please God to have a place of dominance in us. That's the essence of Yeshua's prayers, not my will, but thy will be done, and also your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you give yourself to the purposes of God the universe actually works differently and this means you will experience life very differently i've mentioned Romans 8:28 in this regard several times recently because this insight can impact you powerfully this is what paul wrote in Romans 8:28 we perceive that god causes all things to work together for good for those who love god and are called according to his purpose God causes all things to work together, to work together, to have synergy. There's synergy, which means uh, something that is greater than the sum of the parts, All things become synergistic. They work together in a creative and innovative and productive manner. And they're done in such a way that there's cooperation and common purpose or benefit. Uh, Synergetic or synergistic under two conditions, though. And it's important for us to pay attention to these. Loving God is the first condition, and being called according to his purpose is the second condition. And these two are what Paul says are necessary. To love God, to have agape love, covenant love, and this develops through intimacy with God. It's more than just believing there is a God. We must love him. Being called according to his purpose, what God sets forth and proposes his plan. Remember this, God has a plan. He wants us to connect to his plan. He shares his plan with us, and he also shares his plan for us. And sometimes it comes a little bit at a time, yes, sometimes piece by piece, but he also shares his overall plan. And it's not just short term, it's long term, so that we can be purposeful and pursue God's highest aims and goals. And with this in mind, let's turn to this week's Torah portion. The patriarch Jacob is facing the end of his life. Jacob is ill. He's dying. His eyes are failing. His physical strength has been weakened. His faculties are diminished. Genesis 48.10 says this. And now Israel's eyes were dim with age so that he could not see. And yet, he still has another kind of vision that that Hebrew calls chazon, vision from the Lord. It's prophetic insight and understanding. His spiritual vision and prophetic insight are still working. Jacob still has spiritual authority. And so Jacob can look back with insight, and he can look ahead with insight. He can look back and understand how he got to this moment in his life, and he can grasp as well defining moments for his son's lives, even those moments that his sons haven't recognized or reckoned with. Though Jacob's body is weak and his eyes are dim, Jacob retains the authority that God has given him. Jacob carries real authority, great authority regarding God's covenant and God's covenant purposes. Jacob acts with purpose, with clear intentions. His blessing carries powerful prophetic authority. And Jacob knows what God has worked into him. He also knows what he wants to pass on to those who will continue to carry the covenant forward. All of this is stirring in him as he summons his son, Joseph. He blesses Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, boys who he takes as his own sons so that they have a secure place among the people of Israel. Though born in Egypt, they have a future with the people Israel and the land of Israel. And so Jacob summons his son, Joseph, and he blesses him. But he starts with Joseph's sons, who Jacob has already said will become sons of Israel, sons of Jacob. We'll read in Genesis 48, verses 14 and 15. But Israel Jacob put out his right hand and laid it on the head of the younger one Ephraim and put his left hand on the head of Manasseh he intentionally crossed his hands even though Manasseh was the firstborn he lays hands on Joseph's sons Genesis 48 verse 14 let me emphasize it says Jacob intentionally crossed his hands even though Manasseh was the firstborn he's intentional he guides his hands where he wants them to go sandy and i were studying these scriptures this week and she felt it was uh, so important that at the moment when jacob's faculties are not working so well his intentionality and his purpose are strong, and he puts his hands exactly where he wants them to go. Jacob's physical eyes may not work so well anymore, but his spiritual eyes are still working. He's a man of chazon, of prophetic revelation, understanding and insight. He has chazon, prophetic vision. Let's go to verse 17 and connect this crisscross moment. Genesis 48, 17, when Joseph saw that his father was laying his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he lifted up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head and place it instead on Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, don't do it that way, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. Verse 19, but his father refused and said, I know that, my son. I know it. He too will become a people and he too will be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will grow into many nations. And then he added this blessing on them both that day Israel will speak of you in their own blessings by saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he put, Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. So Joseph uses his spiritual authority here. He uses his spiritual authority to bring Joseph's sons, Jacob rather uses his spiritual authority to bring Joseph's sons into the covenant of Israel. It's a powerful moment with incredible significance. Rabbi Hertz notes that this is the first instance in scripture when a blessing is conveyed through the laying on of hands. Now, let's go back to verse 15, and we'll read about the blessing that Jacob gives to Joseph. Genesis 48, verses 15 and 16. Then Jacob blessed Joseph, the God in whose presence my fathers Abraham and Isaac lived, the God who has been my own shepherd, all my life long to this day. The angel who has rescued me from all harm, bless these boys. May they remember who I am and what I stand for. And likewise, my father is Abraham and Isaac, who they were and what they stood for. And may they grow into teeming multitudes on the earth. Now, I just read from uh, the complete Jewish Bible translation, David Stern's translation. Jacob's life is winding down, but he's thinking about the future. Jacob directs his attention first to God, who is the ultimate source of blessing and the blessed life. He and his fathers have lived their lives before God. This is so important. I want to really draw your attention to this. God is the ultimate source of blessing now and in the future. Not our circumstances, not our position in society. The things of this world are quite unstable. Jacob speaks of God with clarity and with personal familiarity. The God of my fathers, he says. The God who is my shepherd, the God, the angel who delivers, who rescues, who redeems, God, the angel, the one and the same, the Redeemer who is the uh, who is Goel, the kinsman Redeemer, the relative who buys us out of. Uh, slavery. God, the angel, the kinsman, redeemer. It's a provocative statement saying, God, the angel, the kinsman, redeemer, the angel who's been my kinsman, redeemer, and delivered me from all evil. What's going on? Jacob is prophetically proclaiming Yeshua in this way, the angel of the Lord who is actually the Lord, not merely an angel. It's a very important revelation about the Torah. And there it is in the scriptures. It's a very important revelation from Torah about the Lord. This is an early proclamation of God who appears, who shows his face, who is present with us, who is a shepherd and who delivers us from evil. Later, the psalmist would write a song declaring in Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail. You can imagine Jacob feeling like his flesh was failing in his illness, and as he was approaching death, he could relate to this. The psalmist carries on with the same sentiment. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Back to Jacob. He points to the life of faith. He doesn't point to Egypt, nor does he point to Joseph's accomplishments or Joseph's prominence or his power. Jacob wants his son, Joseph, and his grandsons to go forward in his name in Jacob Israel's name carrying forward this family's covenant and their life of faith that's the calling of Israel the calling of the Jewish people mishpocha we have a duty to carry on to genesis 48 verse 16 says in a number of translations something like this that my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac will live on in them or be carried on in them and for sure it's more than just being called the children of Israel. That's why I like David Stern's translation in the Complete Jewish Bible. It amplifies what it means for Jacob's name to live on in his children and his future descendants. It, it's rendered this way, Genesis 48, 16. May they remember who I am and what I stand for, and likewise, my fathers, Abraham and Yitzhak, who they were and what they stood for, that they would know this, who I am and what I stand for, and the same about my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and, and live in such a way that carries the good name of this family forward and honors this calling through all the challenges and difficulties, and even in the valley of the shadow of death, Jacob knew who he was and what he stood for. He knew who his fathers were and what they stood for. And he knew who God was and who God is, the God of my fathers, the God who's been my shepherd, the angel, the kinsman, redeemer. That's how Jacob talked about God. He wanted to be remembered in this way. Jacob talked with expressive and honestly, language that was sometimes mysterious, and he wanted to be remembered for that. The way he talked about God was intentional. The one who is the God of my fathers is the God who's my shepherd, is the angel who's my kinsman, redeemer. May this one bless you. That's what he was saying. Now, for those of us For those of us who are Messianic Jews, these ways of describing God work well together, and they make sense to us. For everyone who has become a disciple of Yeshua, we can learn from Jacob's example and his experience with God, and also from the words he used to speak about God. Much later, Kepha, the Apostle Peter, who was called to be apostle to the Jewish people, He would write words of blessing and praise, and he addresses Jewish disciples of Yeshua who lived in the diaspora, and Peter uses powerful language as well. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, Chesed and shalom, grace and peace be yours in full measure. Praised be God. Favor of our father of our Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, who in keeping with his great mercy has caused us through the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah from the dead to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that cannot decay, spoil, or fade, kept safe for you in heaven. Meanwhile, through your faithful trust, you're being protected by God's power for a deliverance ready to be revealed at the last time. So, Peter is is saying Yeshua's own resurrection gives us new life also. A living hope. We're carrying the covenant forward. We have an inheritance that is being preserved and protected. God is providing for us and prospering us. God's power is protecting us. A deliverance is being revealed now in the last times. Stay faithful and keep trusting. That's the exhortation. God's plans are being fulfilled. Peter, you see, has vision. He has chazon, and he's strongly expressing it. Peter has tenacious faith. He has a living hope that's been passed down to him from generation to generation. Mishpocha, it is our responsibility and our privilege to carry on with this living hope. Now, let's go back to the story of Jacob and Joseph. After Jacob died, Joseph's brothers were afraid of what Joseph might do to them. But Joseph, remember, has his own too. He has clear vision, and this enables him to perceive God's plan and to act in a way that was congruent with God's plan. Genesis 50, verses 15 through 19. When Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Pause for a moment. This is a moment of acknowledgement that what they did to Joseph was evil. Pay attention to that. It's worth noting. Verse 16, so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. It's interesting. Again, we see that there is the recognition and the acknowledgement of trespass, of sin, of doing evil. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. And then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, for Am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. Joseph saw God's plans and God's intentions. He had vision, he had vision of what God was doing, he perceived, he understood deeply and he could put it into words. The vision shaped how he thought and it shaped how he spoke. It shaped what he did, it shaped his attitudes, his feelings, his frame of mind. It shaped the choices that he made, what he did do and what he would not do that's how vision works. When vision is missing, we don't perceive accurately. We don't understand. We cannot make the best choices. We cannot be decisive. That's the meaning of Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps Torah, who keeps God's instruction. When there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's another way of putting it. They let their hair down. They relax too much. They don't consider things carefully or wisely, and they don't restrain themselves. By restrain, I mean they don't say to themselves, well, I won't do this, and I can do this. They lose their moral strength, their backbone, their spiritual strength. Joseph, expresses chazon, this prophetic insight and understanding into intentions and purposes. And he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God's good intentions overturned the effect of the brothers' evil intentions. God's plan prevailed. And that's why we're still here Mishpocha. God's plans prevail. We praise the Lord for his good plans. We thank God for the way that he overturns evil plans our lives are hidden in Messiah, we do have a living hope. Let's carry on, Mishpocha, with honor, with dignity, with faith, with hope, and may the encouragement of Jacob when he blessed Joseph, be with us. It's recorded in Genesis 49, verses 21 and 22. And he says, by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the almighty, who shall bless thee with blessing of heaven above and blessing of the deep wellsprings below. Yes, that's what can encourage us. Let's receive that into our hearts and say, amen. In a moment, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing and a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now Aaron's blessing. Shalom. <speaking in Hebrew> May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. We pray all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.